I'm doing it. I think I did it right. You did. It's okay. Um, man, what's up, Sophie? How are you? I'm breathing. <laughs> I'm breathing. Yo, honestly, I'm here. I mean, Same. there's 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 a shot of adrenaline that I get when I get to have stimulating conversations, but then it's even more so like amped up when it's with someone I trust and respect and also as a friend it's like oh my yeah. god I'm amped I'm amped it's so much fun I'm so excited right hear me out I forgot to plug in my microphone Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit they're about to get a massive change in sound quality and to, to our listeners oops my bad um but I'm so excited to talk to you and to our listeners yo what's up fam as you can hear, it's my and Sophie here on the Black Chillerettes today, and I'm freaking hyped. Uh, Victoria is going to be on our next episode, of course, but we wanted to give our good sis some space to deal with some stuff she's got going on in her personal life, which ain't none of y'all business, and that is just fine, okay? Uh, right. <laughs> send her some love if you can, uh, but until then, oh my God, Sophie and I are holding down the fort. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> no, me acting like Megan the Stallion. Eh. Like I need it. <laughs> Truly, um, Megan the Stallion is who I feel like I am on the inside. You know what I mean? I believe that. I believe that. It it just feels so right every time I see her do anything. I'm like, yes, it's me, just with a fatter <laughs> ass and bigger titties. You know? Oh, listen. Um, and I think something that's like actually random and really funny I think is since I guess Chatty Broads when I first went on Chatty Broads and the second time Mm -hmm. I went on Chatty Broads and then when King Richard came out I get in like comments and shit that I look like Meg which I think is a blatant lie I think white people (laughs) just are confused (laughs) Well, they all think we look alike. They all think we look alike. And I'm like, okay, I am so flattered, but I know I don't look like her. I know I don't. Um, but my partner. I think Matt, it would have to be like the you'd you'd have to have like a quintessential wig and then I would see it. Okay. You know. I do see I do see cheekbones up though. I do okay. see it. So it's not the white not, not. that misinformed. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. And then like my the shoe, my partner Max was like, Yeah, you definitely I've been trying to tell you that like Mega Stein. I'm like, that I will not accept from you. <laughs> of course you want me to look like Meg Messiah, nigga. <laughs> like that's not it's, even about me that's solely about you <laughs> yes and i'm not i'm not going to condone this criticization so um you know apparently like his friends in his group chat have said it before and i'm like i i'm confused maybe we'll do a braid down one day and i'll get me like a banging ass lace front with all the baby hairs <laughs> yes baby hairs. <laughs> and we'll test the theory um, oh actually man i see it i see it no what it's like the three-quarter part and then like the loose and then like the voluminous waves and then the baby make sure we get the baby here so the angle this way right and then hand on the ass and you're going ah i see it you look like you look maybe i'll dress like meg for halloween maybe i'll do that bet because you dress like oh my gosh your halloween costume and it was and you said it was lazy too like you just pulled what was in your closet yeah because i October. 
Who did I dress? Did you have pigtails? I feel like you absolutely are. You're you're right, but like I just remember when it came. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with her stuff, and I'm like, I don't even remember where I was. This out of her closet. This. Oh yeah, fucking um the. Oh, girl from Space Jam. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm over here like Lola Bunny. That's her name. Yes, I was obsessed. Yes. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> um, thank you. That means a lot. That truly was the the lazy Halloween costumes. I think are the best costumes. Truly, yeah. Because it's like fun. You shouldn't think too much about Halloween. Exactly. It's Halloween. Yeah. You know? The same, I feel the same way about most holidays. Like, we can relax. We can pull it back. Facts. We don't have to do too much. I should be able to wear sweatpants on Christmas Day. I should. Uh, isn't that the requirement, though? Like, I don't know. But I know it, that's I feel like niggas be either, dressing up. No? It's either no pants or sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> it's either no pants or sweatpants, Okay. No and pants, these last two pandemic pants, holidays, no yeah, it's it's been, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely no pants. It's like the Marvel reun, uh, Marvel marathon, and then last, yeah, it's mm. been no pants for me, two for two. I like that, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe twenty twenty one wrecked my ass because mm. as we talk about like these previous holidays, <laughs> I can't remember where I was, when I was, how I was, what I was going through. I'm over here just like, where was I for Christmas? Was I in New York? Was I alone? Was I with my family? Um, I mean, that's pretty standard for the foreseeable future. Like, what is time? What is time? I'm so confused. How do we get to stop? Like, it's, it's just going to be it's constant. Yeah. Do you work, like, nine to five kind of hours? No. I think, you know, it's so funny because grad school will wreck you. Like the flexibility I had in grad school, like I, I even knew like, unless I'm desperate, I'll go back to a hard set schedule. But Mm -hmm. this was even, this is like four years prior to the pandemic. Like I knew I would never go back to a rigid nine to five and I've lucked out to where, or I've kind of I've uh, scammed the system to where I know how to produce productivity, mm. but I'm really only in front of this computer for <laughs> two okay, hours. Excuse me, your ways, because truly, and I'm taking a fucking nap when my body says take a nap. Like I've been, I've been lucky to where I have jobs to where I think, and and when I have like a full productive day, it's like a ten to three. Mm. Okay, so it's not even like a That's real nine to five. Because what did the pandemic show us? Like, it, well, it's still showing us a lot of things, but it also showed us that time is a lie. I mean, I think you brought that up either when we started recording or, you know, in our kind of pre-episode um, set, hang sesh. But like, yeah, time is a concept of white supremacy. But also it is a lie. Like we can be pr- like, if I have flexibility to ease into the work at my pace mm-hmm. and I'm committed to the work, you're still going to get the same level of work that as opposed to if I was like, you know, chained to this nine to five schedule in this 30 minute break. No, I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to eat my lunch for two hours. (laughs) I'm going to catch up on last night's housewives. So I get no spoilers. 
and I'm gonna go back to work. And then guess what? Didn't I turn it in on time? Correct. So you know, the, the pandemic's teaching us stuff. I do uh, think that's that's true. The pandemic is teaching us stuff. It's funny working within, I guess, institutions or industries that don't really give you the leeway to work with what you've learned. You know, because wow, like, yeah. I mean, in the theater world, so many of us are going back to work. And it's like, okay, the pandemic taught us that eight hour work day is probably not the wisest, you know, being right. in rehearsal for eight hours straight and then having an hour break for dinner, like that's not the most sustainable thing, especially six out of seven days a week, eight shows a week with two show days. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. But that's what it's always been. And that's kind of what we've returned to for a lot of uh, productions and Many of us have called it into, you know, question, particularly within tech weeks, uh, the week before we head into previews, we historically have these things called 10 out of 12s or 11 out of 12s, really. Yeah. And it's essentially (laughs) over a two day period where you you have basically 24 hours worth of rehearsal with 20 with two hour with a two hour break split between those two days. Right. So you're Make in rehearsal for 12 hours, but you have a two hour like dinner break. And then the next day you're back in rehearsal for 12 hours with a two hour dinner break. Um, and so people came back, from, you know, from this pandemic and was like, oh, bitch, no more. No more 10 <laughs> out of 12s. We're, <laughs> we're rioting. Um, and actually the production I'm working on this uh like now we mm-hmm. we won't to my knowledge we won't be doing a 10 out of 12 i think we're cutting it down to a seven out of eight which is huge um, that is a huge chunk of time but the thing for me I, I i'm thinking of like just how much theater work requires of your whole phys- that's a lot of energy yeah. Like I'm over here struggling and it's just like, you know, mental capacity that I'm trying to bargain within those eight hours. But I can't imagine if it's mental, it's emotional, it's physical, all of that. And then times all those hours more than what that's a lot. Yeah. Yesterday I realized I was because, you know, a lot of us in the cast hadn't done a show in two years. And I mm-hmm. am very lucky and very blessed to not be one of those people in the cast. I just did a show. Uh, back in like you know yeah Um, but so many of us are coming back into this space like when I was doing that show in Virginia we weren't rehearsing for eight hours (laughs) you know it was a four to six hour rehearsal day six hours at most but for this I'm over here like wait a second shoot (laughs) my my, I came in uh, I'm still getting used to the the time zone over here and I had woken up yesterday I want to say at around 6 a.m. and couldn't really get back to sleep. So I just started doing some work before rehearsal. Then I had to get some self-tapes done. Then I had a meeting. Then I had to retape one of my self-tapes. And then I went to rehearsal. Forgot to eat. Forgot to drink water. All of those things. And I'm in rehearsal and I'm like, oh, I'm about to, I think I'm going to pass out. My blood sugar Mm -hmm. felt like it was super low. So I went to the stage manager and I was like, can I stop out for a second? Like, I feel a little wonky. Let me go finish eating that salad I had like kind of made before I left. Finish eating the salad and I still don't feel right. And I ended up having to step out of rehearsal for like 20, 30 minutes. And they like brought me tangerines and uh, freaking, what is it? Uh, Nature Valley bar. 
Oh to, my gosh, sustenance. To, yeah, we had to find one one of them joints without peanuts because allergies. But um <laughs> yeah, I was and then even after we got like that and even brownies and all of that shit, and my, I was like, I had to just kind of have my head in my lap for a little bit because mm. I couldn't get it together. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the content of the show is like pretty fucking it's it's not heavy you uh, well yeah no it's pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, it's, like it's heavy it's just it's through the lens of it's it's told through the lens of co- comedy you know this the story of two young black teenagers trying to to find their way the, the the big question i think comes up in in the script the great con is uh can black kids be black kids you know <laughs> It's a it's a good show, okay. I'm just saying, like you know, we <laughs> open March 3rd through the 27th, y'all. It's really interesting. Um, I'm over here. Do they do they collect? Um, what is it? What did what did we used to cut off our cereal boxes and so box big box, box tops? Because I got free. Redeeming. Hey, look, truly, I got free tickets. I'm like, a hike up to, to you know what? Actually, I know a good friend who's from San Diego, so I probably would have people I could stay with. And this, the, my couch is a pull-out couch where oh, they got me wait. staying. So you could just stay here. Look, the theater apparently is down the street from where they got me staying. Um, but like feeling like that in an eight-hour rehearsal where we're still doing a read-through and then we'd have to read through the show again and try and like, you know, not perform full out, but do it to right. the best of our capabilities sitting at the table. I was just like, I'm tired. <laughs> Yeah, Today's our only lot. day off, and then we're going to be in rehearsal nearly every day this week. You know, it's it's weird to see like certain institutions and, and industries not be able to adjust to the fact that we learned what our capacities were exactly. during the the earliest of the pandemic, and we can't really come into these spaces and negotiate our time the way we want to. Um, which I th- that's why I think all of that to say. That's why I think it's so cool that you can get work done between 10 and three. That's a dream. Okay. And, and I can't, you know, it's so funny. I was telling a friend, even when I came into this new job, cause I did, cause I was like, man, could I still keep the same flexibility of the job I had? And I was working for the federal government. And I was like, okay, if I have flexibility with this, yeah. then I damn sure better have, you know, flexibility in direct service nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. And I do. Um, because mostly you realize that you're working with a bunch of unqualified Karens and, um, and times a construct. And also mm-hmm. when they, when they do, when they spend most of their energy gatekeeping and trying to rationalize or justify why they should be the ones making decisions on bodies that they know nothing about, um, mm-hmm. it kind of leaves you with a lot of time. Um, yeah. so I do what I gotta do and I do it well, but. I definitely don't work past five consecutive hours. Um, and I, and, and as I kind of see where the planning of my career is going to go, I won't even, this might be the last time I actually work for someone. So then even beyond that, it's going to be my own schedule period. So it's like, you know, hear that what the fuck? Like, did you hear <laughs> that energy? The, same, the way Sophie just said, out loud it, that wasn't even a manifestation that was just speaking like this will be my life hello <laughs> at some point at some point in the near future I won't be working for anybody but myself and honestly <laughs> I would like I would like to feel that way 
because I'm over here shucking and driving like, oh my gosh, please hire me, guys, please. I just want to tell good stories when I know damn well. Like there are stories that I, I'm capable of telling on my own without help. And just trying to figure out. But that's out, like, also the game too. You want to at least yeah. leverage enough capital to where you can do it as authentically as like people we look up to. Like, I mean, we mm-hmm. even kind of tangentially talked about this when you're on my podcast, like the capital that Will Smith has to leverage, to wield that and be able to how you, how he protected y'all during the pandemic. And when he came back to filming where other product, where other, you know, production sites were just like blatant disregard for people's lives and health. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, I think of Issa Rae, like she's just the most visible person as far as success of like, when you really have autonomy over your story. Right. Yes. But then she had to wield that capital networking from what USC, that's a big launching a pad. Big, yes, it is. It big really network is. to, you know, to, um, to, to big network to use. And, and, and so it, it, it is a lot of like speaking into existence or as I guess what I just said, speaking as if <laughs> it's, it's happening, um, but also matching it with um, capital that you can only get by doing the work. Yeah. And the grunt work I did too, man, these people were, I think my intellectual property was free um, and bolstering their stuff. And now I have enough capital to where it's like, now you guys are gonna cite me bitches like not today yeah it's like hey baby uh this is my here's my invoice <laughs> right and now you, you got so like much. now you dominating hbo max you going to south by southwest ah okay whoa you I out here about in those Diego making moves <laughs> so it's like pretty you're building that capital thank you it's been so surreal uh to kind of one of my friends honestly oh man I want you to meet my homie Drea Brown <laughs> that nigga is so dope uh-huh. um, but she was in my DM she was like my are you blowing up right now we work together at the Broadway <laughs> Advocacy Coalition I was like uh no like it's not that deep it's just a short film on HBO Max we made it years ago we didn't even like it was a student film it was just a bunch of kids like we didn't get paid to create that we just wanted to tell that story together Wait, right. so on HBO Max, I know, um, I don't know if they're like Netflix where you, they, the creator loses the rights to the film once it's streaming, but did they at least get paid for it once it came on this streaming platform, right? Like, So essentially um, for Pure, there's a five-year licensing deal that our incredible writer and director, um, Nat, sorry, <laughs> Mr. Will just texted me and so did Miss Andrew. <laughs> Do you understand like the humility audience? I don't understand how y'all put up with my like her humility no. like, blowing up and it's like, oh sorry, I just I'm not got a notification that Will Smith just and Angelou Ellis just texted me. I'm done. I wanted to send them well wishes because the Oscar nominations come up in like 12 hours. Yeah, like super early. Who's, super early. Like, Who's it like morning. Tracy? No, it's Kerry Washington. Oh, is it Tracy Ellis or Kerry Washington? I knew it was someone. Heck, if I know. They announced, like, who would be. But if they're they're going to get nominated. I already know. Best picture, best actress, best actor, best screenplay. Because there would be an adapted screenplay, right? Because it came from a book? Or would it be Um, original? 
So it's an original screenplay. They definitely used research from Mr. Uh, Mr. Richard's book, um, but it, it's, it would be best screenplay. And I think what's so cool, at least early on in the process, um, Mr. Balin, Zach, who is our dope ass writer, um, truly coolest white boy. Like <laughs> he's one of those it. dudes are like, I remember I would see him on set and I'm like, huh, what? what does he know about chains and why are his sneakers always so fire i got so many oh of course you're writing the next creed of course you are that's the fuck up he's writing creed three i think so uh, michael b jordan's directorial debut actually i don't know if i'm supposed to say that um i'm gonna give the fbi agent assigned to my ipad two minutes to bust on my door if it has happened in two minutes we're in the clear um but yes uh but i remember when we were doing some of our first read throughs and stuff the the folks who were like writing consultants on on it were all black women you know and so but of course it was just one of those things where it was like at least we know we're doing this correctly or the to the best of our abilities right um and so like with all of that potentially coming out tomorrow, actually me and the girls were texting today because I was like, are y'all nervous? Because bitch. Um, but may, we might, you know, get up at 5 a.m. because it's coming out 5, 18 a.m. our time and FaceTime each other just to see like I what love happens. It. But fingers are crossed. And um, I'm just really grateful to be a part of something that seems so legendary so um I think legendary is an understatement and I think a I can't wait to see the vanity the Hollywood reporter spread of the Oscar issue so that's like usually my favorite they're all gonna look so nice they're gonna look so regal and so beautiful and then they're gonna and you know Denzel's gonna be there because of Macbeth so it's going to be it's going to be a beautiful spread so I cannot wait for that but also I I think legendary is an understatement because the doors that it's opened I don't know if I was talking with you about this or someone else but the door that's open to just be able to share black stories and it's not Mm -hmm. synonymous with 12 years a slave it's not synonymous with Django it's not synonymous with boys in the hood it's not just focusing on black pain and black death. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are those things, but I think just to show like black childhood and the both end of it all. Yeah. And just what, how far it really goes to have the love and support of your network, your familial network. And by not the luck of the draw, but by, you know, hard work and confidence, like you can, you become excellence. It's not something that you attain. Now people say Venus and, Serena, Venus and Serena's name and it's synonymous with excellence so you're now a verb it's like that's going to I don't know like the types of stories or yeah the kind of stories that now there's an appetite for that you guys just kind of blew open this market that I think now Hollywood should see folks have been craving and I can't wait for the other Mize and the other young talent that it's going to introduce to us. Um, yeah, so like, it's all, all just of the, all of the all of the young Sanayas and Demi's and Danielle's and Layla's, the next Anjanus, you know. Um, but yeah, sorry, y'all. That was just I saw the text come in and I was just like, 
Am I supposed to respond? Hello? What is life? I can't even Uh-oh. like just make sure when you're next to John, Uncle John, John Bernthal, y'all, I'm obsessed with him. Make sure when you're next to him, just find some time to text me what he smells like. Okay. Smell like John. He smells like, I, I, I imagine he smells like prickly pear and like musk. <laughs> or, or, or some shit I like when I tell you, y'all, I would drink his bath water. Bruh. It's, it's, it is what it is, okay? That's so funny. He just smells like regular man. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I want it. Him, also, and, him I, and Tessa Thompson, those are my... It's respect. Like, That's it, fair. It, it, it's like, I don't know where to turn. <laughs> I don't know I which just, direction to go. Exactly. I just, want to take the, I just want to take Tessa Thompson in the essence of John Bernthal and just like, Am I getting married today? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, nah, for sure, for sure. I reject all of that, but Tessa Thompson and John Bernthal are like my Everest, and I know they're both in relationships. My Everest, wait a minute, not a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie said they are mountains that she trying to climb. Or like Usher said in 2010 in his abysmal hit, you know, or moving mountain. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be um, doing. <laughs> I, wait, is that Climax? Is that that song? No, 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 no. Move, no, Moving Mountains was 2009. Sorry. How, Remember? Does that, oh, how did that song go though? Moving, wait, hold on. I was in the wrong pitch. It's oh. like moving mountains. Oh, Remember? yes. <laughs> Yes, you're when his right. mama, when he and his mama fell out because he married that his his uh, his hairstylist, his, his hair his hairstylist, and it was a contentious marriage, and the whole album was about the mess of the divorce and the mama sure. saying, "I told you so." I forgot. Sorry, y'all. We didn't mean to do this like black entertainment oh. tangent. But- <laughs> Honestly, I don't mind it at all because it really does lead us into. I mean, probably not exactly what we're talking about, but you know, like what we're talking about. It goes you know? in there. It goes in there because it goes. What, it does. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten, male R and B. We had Trey songs. We had Big Sean. We had Chris Brown. Chris, you know what's so funny about that time is that America just collectively, and I don't know when they held the meeting and or who coordinated the meeting, but they all woke up and said, you know, Chris Brown's okay. I will say, I was doing the same thing in 2009, 2010, and 2011, because to be fair, I'm from, like, I grew up in Virginia. So Uh, Chris Brown and Trey Songz were like our niggas till they weren't, you know? Yeah, and some still holding on to them, even though there's assault charge after assault uh, accusation. Allegedly, I let go of Trey songs the moment they um the moment his his crew tried to get me and his friend uh, me and my friends to like come into their section and they wanted us to go back to the hotel with them and stuff. No, hard pass. I'm okay. Uh, I'm sorry. What Virginia is a weird place to be when you're in college. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I had. Oh like these two they absolutely divine human beings but also absolutely stunning human beings that were my friends um and they were kind of both my big right one of them was supposed to be um like my big like mentor and stuff and then she went and studied um overseas and so one of her dearest friends kind of took her place to be my big in the theater department 
And um, I remember I would only ever go to the club with them, right? Like the only black club experiences that I really have that are positive either have been with my best friend of like 25 some odd years or with those two incredible humans from college. I um, mean, we're not really tight anymore, but you know, Sierra and Dominique, if you're listening to this, what's good? Sierra, congratulations hey. on that new short film that you co- you got coming out. Um, all used to yeah it's it's really dope to see um but I remember like we used to go to the like black clubs together and I would be like what do you mean we get free drinks what do you mean we get to sit in the VIP section what do you mean those are Trey songs people um but his team was mad disrespectful and clearly just wanted to you know, smash. And I of was course. the baby, the baby of the group. Um, and so the conceit was like, if we came into the section, we would go back to the hotel with them. And uh, Dominique was like, hell no. Nah. And Sierra was like, hell no. Nah. Um, yeah, we had some cool adventures, but that's one of the, that's one of the memories. What year was I this? I mean, I was in college, what, 2013 to 2017. So it had to be like 2015. That makes 15, sense because the last time, like I think the disenchantment, disenchantment of Trey songs and kind of like these R&B, like Bow Wow, Omarion, like all those mm. dudes that grew up Little like, Fizz. Oh my gosh. Like grew up on in one Austin Park mm-hmm. and just, I mean, my first you know, my first concert was Backstreet Boys, but then the second concert ever in my life was um, whatever they used to kind of name the those college tour? tours. Oh, it shit. was it was like a Millennium tour, but it was it was B two K. No, it was Omarion, it was Bow Wow, it was Trey Songs, and it was um, Grind on Me. Pretty Ricky, Ricky. yeah. Pretty Ricky, back. Let me stop. I'm not gonna rap, y'all. I'm not gonna rap. I really thought you were about to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna you have to pay for my raps no I forgot the words but I would have I would have um but it was 2005 and me and my roommates at the time we drove four hours to Miami and turned right around and drove four hours back to Tampa because we were we were obsessed and on this high of of you know toxic masculinity kind of presented as um you want these men to be your booze and mm-hmm. and just you're obsessed with them and then the high and it climaxed in 2009 2010 with just the hits of that time you know America woke up and said oh Chris Brown dropped deuces we forgive him from almost killing Rihanna two years ago um two years prior oh my god it was 2000 um no 2009 was Trey Songs the pleasure and pain album with thank you you're right you're right what's your birthday hey mm-hmm. like the, you could not you hit a fuck like you throw or rock down the street and it hit every car and you're all playing trey songs that damn album it's either say yeah. ah it's um bottoms up oh my god talk wow. about you revisit these songs and you're like oh this is dangerous yeah um and, and um usher was having his post-divorce resurgence and then he went nuts and did the oh my gosh like when it was that usher when the white folks finally came on board and it wasn't confessions usher yeah that one it wasn't him in the in the studio finding out that his side chick had a was pregnant 
and now he's yeah. gonna tell his woman like now the Shout white out to folks and the, white, and the white babies were onto mm-hmm. usher and pop locking mm-hmm. before tiktok it was mm-hmm. that error of like toxic masculinity that i was like that was the heyday of my clubbing and you can tell me twice like i sang chris brown deuces like i co-wrote it hmm. that's fair ad libs and everything when rihanna but and then chris brown just like- came out with that cake remix even to this day i'd be like where is it at why did th- i understand like i respect the need to take it off of streaming platforms but also but also where's the song I, I was i had put Rihanna, because it was on her Talk That Talk album, right? So I yep. put Birthday Cake on my House Party 2000, 2010s playlist. Mm-hmm. Playing in the car. Algorithm puts Rihanna Birthday Cake up next. I'm like, almost got yep. a car accident. Because I'm like, I haven't heard this song in so long. And then I forgot that that was an interlude in her album. So I'm like, let me go research. Let me go Google and get the remix. I literally found out three days ago that the Chris Brown and Rihanna remix is not on streaming platforms. And I was like, even though I researched three times, I was like, I get it, but. But, yeah, I know. Which like, damn, not us being toxic. God dang. Well, but that's I'm over what here I think we go like... back to. We were conditioned. Yeah. Like that she was in our bloodstream. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. All that bullshit for the bird. Like I would. Mm-hmm. Or even, I you know, our family supported. members still, like, you know, when I, whenever I go to Chicago, bruh, and R. Kelly comes on, my energy is shut that shit off, but my family is from and lives in Chicago and Kankakee, Illinois. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like not really an option because he is a staple, you know? And I think that's a really great, and, and and I hope folks are following like just that is the lived nuance of we understand or we've untethered ourselves and we know like these are all problematic narratives of toxic masculinity and there's so many different ways you can break it down but the way that it's you're socialized to understand it before the untethering it's it's really tough yeah it's really tough. Think, it's also me going along two years after Chris Brown horrifically assaulted Rihanna. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess he's forgiven. I'm going to sing Deuces and I'm going to, I never bought or, you know, any of his stuff, but like streaming it, that still puts money in his pocket. So it keeps him relevant, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then we get into, I think the largest case study of that is R. Kelly, right? Like mm-hmm. this man is a whole ass trafficker. And has always Predator, been. always been. I remember, here's the thing. Um, I came for, to America when I was three. By eight years old, I knew, having just learned English, it was on recess grounds. I'm hearing peers talk about their older siblings saying that R. Kelly married Aliyah and she's 15 and that's, you're not supposed to do that. To be that old and marrying a 15-year-old. So we're already like, breaking down and 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 in its simplest forms themes of co- coercion power dynamics statutory rape just like all this stuff but then in that same breath it's like in in um in the culture where I was in Haiti I mean in in Boston in Haitian enclave communities 
being with an older man was this status symbol. Yeah. So okay. it's like, so we, so we're kids. We, we don't understand that nuance. We're not, we can't think at abstract levels. So talking about this seminal figure already showing, displaying predatory practices all the way back to, I was eight years old, so 1986 plus eight, 1994, early 90s. And he just got convicted in 2021. Mm-hmm. And this is yeah. well known, you know what I mean? Like, and we're just talking about it matter of factly. Right, right. There's issues and in, there's issues in that. Well, and because it's like, there's the maintenance of a culture, right? <laughs> it's been mired so much so in us that even... I don't, I, I don't want to say with like lesser offenses. I don't want to use the word lesser. I'm trying to think of a word that I would prefer. Um, but in offenses that aren't or don't seem as excuse that there we go. In offenses mild. that don't seem as uh, violent and seem a little more mild, right? right? It's still hard to deplatform folks who have some semblance of um, authority, you know, right. or that we revere in some way. It makes me think of, um, you know, pop culture and media where folks really got whole radio shows, podcasts, uh, running, uh, running nonprofit institutions, running organizations, running companies, winning awards, organizing insurrections, organizing, oh, wait, <laughs> organizing well, insurrections, you well. know, people have all of this access to privilege and power, regardless of the ways in which they've perpetuated violence to individuals. And even when that comes out, it's still hard for us to disconnect ourselves from the glow of that figure. And it's so confusing, right? To be a person who is living in the world. Yeah. Um, actively being like, oh, wait a second. Like, how do I disconnect? My, like, where, where do I stand on this? Do I have the capacity? Do I still listen to Chris Brown? Do I say cut that shit off when, when it comes on? Do I believe that he, he has room for, to change, grow, and uh, be forgiven? Like, wh- like, where do I stand? What do I think R. Kelly deserves? Do I believe in punitive uh, measures carceral that need to be taken and carceral solutions? Or, right. you know, when somebody in pop culture or media acts out, we're watching it happen in, in the podcast sphere where like all of these cis heterosexual men, everybody got a podcast. Everybody do, but I like, and then, so that means everybody has the means to gain some semblance of capital, to get paid for it, to say whatever the fuck they say, they want to say, potentially spread misinformation. Uh, and in the event that they need to be demoted. Another how market and when opens do we up do it? and still pays them. Yeah. Who's that fucking um, um, human condom? He just stepped down from the board of Facebook and has his own podcast company and offered Joe Rogan $100 million to leave Spotify and go what? on his platform. Well, the fact that Joe Rogan, but, you know, white men fail upwards all the time. For, that's the system. That's sure a formula. That sh- they sure do. And what did Joe Rogan used to host? What did he used to host? Fear Factor. And I loved him there. I loved that show. What? I don't think I ever missed an episode with my mother. Right. I think the first three seasons that was me. Yeah. Not the and, later. And like the idea 
that when I found out how much he was getting paid even for the podcast currently I was confused isn't it he's make he's still making a guap on Spotify he's making a like I like think he's making over, yeah it was definitely over 15 million I thought it was close to 20 mil too I, I yeah and that then, is like, so egregious I don't even know what to say right and then it makes me wonder you know how much is fucking um oh no joe budden getting paid to podcast you know or like what does his patreon look like you know does dr umar have a podcast god i need to know he doesn't have a podcast but he's getting the branded content from instagram there we go so so he's getting for every post for the flood of hoteps and stockholm syndrome stockholm syndrome femme presenting folks who cape mm. for this man yeah he's getting money who's who's old guy the guy kevin samuels money yeah it's and it's 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 it's, it's really sickening and those that base and 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 it's and it's so funny because what they're doing similar to joe rogan is they don't give a fuck about what they're spewing on the, the community and the what the misinformation will be get because it's about that's how they're leveraging and trying to get success and negotiating success but the people who ride for them are the same ones who are like well bill cosby um i'm not gonna fault bill cosby because he gave me the cosby show or he was such a seminal part of my childhood or i'm not gonna hate on r kelly because i don't want to stop playing his music Right. I'm not going to say that Russell Simmons did all this stuff and had to flee out of the country where and live somewhere where there's no extradition charges because he knows if he steps foot in America, he will be um, arraigned immediately mm-hmm. because Russell Simmons was such a seminal part of my childhood. Like those are the same people caping for these dudes. Yeah. And it makes me think of, you know, how I believe, like I'm, I do not like speaking for others' uh, experiences. So, if I'm posturing, just tell my, me, my Kayla, that's not my experience. Shut the fuck up. Um, well, I'll never yeah. When we, but you can, you know, I want you to know that you can. <laughs> I appreciate. Uh, I believe you to be my sis in accountability, and I know that you will check me if I need to be checked. Okay. Ditto. Okay. Yes. Yes. I love this. Um, but I, I, I do think that we exist in this sphere, not necessarily because we're looking for proximity to power or capital like shit Mm -hmm. money would be nice that's cool but it's not why we're sitting on this podcast having a conversation right now right right right. and we do try I believe to enter into these spaces with care it's why I used to take 40 pages of notes on the fucking bachelor because I didn't want to seem like I was talking out the side of my neck and when it seemed like it was getting too toxic or too hateful or um too gossipy or I was just like well then maybe I shouldn't be talking about this anymore like is it rooted in the themes that I was seeking to explore before and if not let me step back because I'm already drained right or having an episode about critical race theory and intersectionality like we didn't come in there and just start talking sure didn't right we we at the very least knew what critical race theory and intersectionality was unlike some folks who you know grab a mic and press record and then walk home with you know a thousand over a thousand dollars a day that just hurt my heart like I can't I mean, I think of like the opportunities that Vic and I have passed on for sponsorships because like 
people wouldn't meet our rates. And I think of the folks I know who do have podcasts and what they do get paid. And I'm just like, I'm not even asking for half of what they get for 30 seconds. Not even a third, dog. Cause I not know. Not even what, a third. Not even a third. Cause Vic told me what the most popular guy makes. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And he's over here regurgitating black Twitter jokes. What? Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. And yeah, it just makes me, it makes me think of the way our socialization is kind of evolving in this. What, what do they call this? It's not the tech era. What is it called? There's a specific name for like 2010 forward, like for the age in which we exist. Yeah, I know. There's a word for it. Fuck. And I, well, I feel like I know it too so i'm really upset it's either going to come to us when we get off when we stop recording or hopefully it comes to us um but you know what i say to that though like as far as like your the theme of negotiating how we dissect things in our proximity in our relationship to it and are we becoming the very thing that we're aiming to um critique and what does that say about us and blah, blah, because I, I, I know a lot of people have taken firm stances in, in regards to The Bachelor. Let's just talk about that. A lot of people take stances that they're not going to watch Clayton. And then not only we're we not going to watch Clayton, but we're not going to dissect this franchise anymore because it was sucking out our soul. We were being mean. We felt like we were it was robbing us of joy, blah, 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 blah. Like I've heard a lot of those takes and. You know, I think at the very least. It's, it's your, I'm singing Bobby Brown. It's your prerogative. prerogative. You know what I mean? Like you can wake up and say, I want to do this. And that's your prerogative. Everybody wakes up and say, they don't want to watch Bachelor anymore, critique it or um, whatever. But then I started to dissect the nuances of that is a people need to start being real about their capital and their privilege like the things that are making you sick and the things that are robbing you of joy are the realistic manifestations of these larger themes that anchors the bachelor. And so for you to have the the capital to just wake up one day and be fed up when other people it's, it's mired into their socialization, it's mired into their identity, it's mired into their anxiety and coping skills. That's a privilege. Yeah. It's also a privilege to build up your base off of this and now have a massive following to where you can now talk about whatever. Like I can relate that to Beyonce, right? Beyonce worked her ass off mm-hmm. to get to Lemonade. And when she realized that, no, I can do Lemonade because I can, I built and have a following where I can say what the fuck I want and y'all ain't going to leave. I have my base. And what has Beyonce produced since Lemonade? Right. Not single ladies, not crazy in love. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so that analogy with, you and know. And it's about I'm, to be nominated for an Oscar tomorrow. Might not win. But she will henceforth be nominated be for, yeah, will be Oscar nominee Beyonce uh, Knowles Carter. Like, built the base. Did the work to get to the, like, did the work to create the foundation that was necessary in order to create the things that she wanted. Exactly. And it's not to say that that's bad. I'm just drawing a parallel to, you know, there's that angle too of folks saying that like, yeah, 
you can afford to do that. But if like a podcast, like other newer podcasts or even other podcasts who've been in the ground doing this for years, for them to ultimately switch their 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 content, they would most likely lose a huge following, a, a huge base of theirs. So folks yeah. need to stop underestimating capital in that way too. Yeah. And then also, um, it does, this stuff, I think, I, I do think in some way, if we choose to enter certain waters, I think, that's the that's the that's the luck of the draw or that's what we kind of have to deal with like we can't pick and choose like how something so inherently broken as the bachelor or the formula of it and also the tropes that it relies on to draw plot lines um that's not something you can switch on and off and so what ends up happening is a lot of times I talk about white women and weaponized femininity because you know they just it's a white dominated space and I always get you know reamed in the comments and because I don't like to lead with elitism or like you know I'm not you're not you don't pay me enough to then for me to do the work to cite you to these articles that would actually you know eliminate this issue and then you have an episode air two weeks later maybe a month later and it's the very thing that I talked about a month ago. And then those same folks are like, oh my gosh, how are you always spot on about this? Yeah, Ta-da. absolutely. Or taking what do you information think? that you've already said out loud and not accepting it as word is bond until it comes out of the voice of a white mouth, right? Yeah, that's triggering. I can't go, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, fair. that's, no. that's no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm being, I'm being dramatic, but that's, that's, that's tough. That's yeah. really tough. And it's, it's why, you know, I, I felt so comfortable with, I was really nervous bringing the idea of not covering the bachelor this season to Victoria. Cause I knew we would lose. <laughs> right. But I was just like, bitch, we already losing with subscribers and we've lost so many, so many followers and that's okay that's okay because whoever wants to stay that's fam period whoever needs to go girl if you want to come back like we ain't gonna tell you like you can't you can't come back you know uh but you can hate from outside of the club (laughs) (laughs) shut up chris brown um and and you know Um, what i actually started singing um usher love in this club in my head so we both went back we were right we because it's ingrained in us, duh. It goes straight to the top because it's right there. It's just, it's where I we're hate at. Us. I hate us so um, bad. You said hey, from outside the club, and I was like, I want to make a loop in this club. Hey. Oh my God. Kyle um, Out of Dawn made some sick beats back in the day. Um, but I think all that to say, I don't even know. Wow. We, we what's your first sun sign? What does that mean? Oh, sorry for your birth, like your astrology, like that's my regular astrology one. Right? Yeah, like that's the month I was born. Oh, Sagittarius. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> what does this I'm, mean? And what are you? Well, I'm a Gemini Sun, but I'm a Sagittarius rising. Oh, oh. So that's why you we can open so many tangents, and then I can follow you, and we can go in and dip in and dip out. Because I'm an air sign, and you add air to fire, and it just 
going to co-star right now blows yo we will do if this episode has space for uh in real time birth chart because i'm in gemini sun i'm a libra moon so that's why i haven't been to prison because i level out <laughs> you're rooted in the, the le- but the you libra also like a good me off the ledge <laughs> but then i'm a sagittarius rising okay. and but my mercury how i communicate is in cancer my mars is in um mars is my ambition it's my energy it's how I move about the world, it's in Capricorn. So a bitch don't play no games. And then my Venus is in Leo. So I'm just a hot ratchet mess. So um, the fact that you're just a Sagittarius sun alone, though, I'm like, that makes sense. Because we've opened like 10 tabs. and We have. And we've like truly, tr- like every, every tab, we've tried to get to what we came to talk to today. And then we were like, but also this. But this all it all inter and it all it's all connected. It's all because okay. Let me let me try and see if I could because we talked about um just how we're conditioned into the world before we're untethered and we can look at things with nuance both and right. Even yeah. But then how do you but unlearning? That's where we went next. Yes, and then we then we went into like seeing especially in pop culture and in music, like when we put these stars on pedestals and the unwillingness to attach nuance and to say, yeah, when certain, when I hear certain words, do I break into song about this? Yes. But am I, is that going to deter me or or blind me from saying that this man has only had a trail of problematic accusations one after another? Right. And is R. Kelly a whole ass predator? Work? Yeah. Exactly. Is Bill Co- is Bill Cosby Voldemort? Yes. Is Russell Simmons, who they made a whole plot line in the rebooted Gossip Girl about? Yes. What you did you watch about? it? I watched it. What are you talking about? What was what was the popular Julian Calloway? Right, Calloway's her last name. Is yeah. that what her name was? Yes. Her dad, that whole storyline was about Russell Simmons. I and she was that. and she was basically the culmination of Aoki and, and Ming Lee. Because his daughters still support him. I... So before she kind of got hit and then d- left her her- inheritance and then moved in with her sister. That was like that shit. Was, the thing was the thing was so funny is this stuff was coming out of Robert Simmons and his daughters caping for him until this day they cape for him. Two thousand six, mm-hmm. like this was like stuff. I was just what I was twenty years old. Even a couple of years before that stuff was coming out. Yeah, wow. and of course they got steam. They gathered steam again in the Me Too movement, and then you know that documentary came out about him that's still on HBO um, Max and. And so that whole storyline, that's why I was like, this is lazy. Like the only storyline that, that mattered to me was with um, Akino and, and Max and um, the Thruple. That's the only storyline I cared about because it's the only original one because they that whole thing was was um, about Simmons and it was so lazy. Um, wow. And then, because what I really want to talk about is 
what happens when worlds collide, right? The world of we, the world of the movement, activism, Mm -hmm. the space in which we untether ourselves from all the isms, and if we're talking about patriarchy being the original ism, right? Like the original structure in this formula of oppression. How do we work together to center better treatment, um, uh, to minimize gendered violence, to minimize homophobia, transphobia, all the things but then these movements are being held by men who are habitual predators, or at the very least, um, there's a huge chasm in their moral compass. Yeah. Did I use that right? I think so. Yeah. There's- and so this came, and when I brought brought when I brought the subject up to you, it came because there was a movement that I'm like, and a, an organization that I was like, I ride hard for, like. The moment I found out about them, I was like immediately a paid subscriber. Then when I money got tight, I would still c- try to blow them up any way I can. So supporting them, I listen to their content. And you know, like sometimes it's hard to separate, especially it's so rare to find uh, male-led Black, you know, men of color sites where they're talking about black feminist thought they're talking about yeah. intersectionality they're talking about activism they're ta- they're they're having conversations about um emotional maturity and you're like what is this this is yeah. not like oh my gosh and and then you start to realize oh you put these own people on a pedestal and then when you start to see the human side of them like their whole their full self their flawed self you're like all right all right all right that was jarring but i can separate the person needing to grow and then the sentiments behind what they want to do. But there's still this like capital of, of, of morality, I'll call it for lack of a better word, that you still ascribe to them. I found out this week in the wake of some news that I don't think I'm allowed to share yet, but I only found that out because one half of this duo that I support had such an egregious affair that they had to break ties, and they're large in Chicago. Mm-hmm. They had to break ties with other grassroots organizations that their that their um, uh, media and activist organization was um, was centering and, and you know provided a platform for these things. So now you, the visibility that those people counted on they had to pull out and now they lost that in the wake of the betrayals and everything that happened. And, um, and then it's just not even a good look. It it almost disbanded the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then, so it just once, and and I'm summarizing it because I don't even know how much I could have just shared just now, but obviously Mm -hmm. I didn't share anyone's names or whatever, but um, that just from that happening, I learned this, I learned about this, Today is Tuesday. Wait, today's uh, Monday. Monday. Today's Monday. 
Yeah. Listeners, I'm so sorry. My, I'm working on one brain cell. I apologize. You are um, so I learned about this two days ago. So Saturday, and it just, it just got me thinking about, you know, like I was even thinking about myself, like, man, how much allowances did I give them because they were men and I'm mm-hmm. still kind of conditioned in this way to make space for men and provide more grace for men than I would for for others right that's still ingrained in me even though I'm queer and all and all these identities that I have that I'm super marginalized I'm like I'm still conditioned in this way right there's still some things I haven't untethered from yet and then I was thinking about like historically we're talking about the civil rights movement Martin Luther King was a whole fuck boy I'm sorry again I'm I'm just waiting for the FBI agent attached to my iPad to you know bust on my door and I said that in jest, followers. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Um, but I, I was just thinking about things in history that we just sweep under the rug because the, the sanctity of the larger picture is more important from like the real devastation that that causes and the disruption that that causes and the fracture right. that creates Absolutely. and the distrust that it creates. It's like, can we not, whole space for both and lest we forget it was black women who were and black women and, and, and black trans women who were spearheading the civil rights movement and only because of the formula of patriarchy it only moved forward because of these male seminal figures that we have i'm not discounting historical figures facts are facts sometimes guys you know what i mean so it just had me on this whole tangent from this one incident that i was dealing with personally here and just, and then thinking about, you know, these dudes, like in, in summer 2020, you had Chris Brown and Trey songs and Drake and, um, big Sean. Well, big Sean been booed up with, um, Janae. yeah, Janae Aiko. So he hasn't done anything problematic from his fuckboy days, but you had these, these men who have really, really stacked accusations, some, um, out of court settlements done of these horrific things towards women and children because of, you know, Drake. Um, and, and it's just kind of like, how do, how do you, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. How do you divorce and- that? Is it just numbers matter? So it's at least people are here, but then it's like, this is traumatic for people they've harmed. This is traumatic of people who know harm. This is traumatic of how can you speak out one side of your mouth about equality and care and and justice and 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 protection and on the other side your whole there's this part of your identity that's kind of like gets off on the denigration of bodies yeah well because so i don't know what you can do with all that i'm gonna stop talking because i feel like i just monopolized such a huge section but that's all what's in my brain I don't know if it makes sense but yeah it does it does it really does make sense and never apologize for taking up space here honestly I in my opinion anywhere but like especially on this podcast like that's what we're here to do is to be in in conversation with one another and if we can't vent and vomit out our thoughts and ideas like how are we going to investigate them together you know what I mean I appreciate Um, you but that is my cancer and mercury I told y'all that's fair but I see I don't know what that means 
but I'm over here just like, I don't know how you communicate is how you communicate. And something that I have a habit of doing is constantly apologizing for being too verbose and constantly apologizing for not censoring myself enough. Um, Right. When like, I, I continually am reminded that oftentimes when I go on those tangents and shit, we find value in them and we find these little golden nuggets. So that's why sure. I don't apologize because we're like, it's, I'm working on learning how to take up more space. So I definitely- Oh, I appreciate you, sis. I, I'm yeah. learning, I'm learning. Uh, but it, it makes me think of the, those notions of idolatry um, and the, the protection that patriarch, patriarchy, excuse me, provides particularly to those figures of color, those male identifying figures of color, we um, feel in some way, shape or form connected to, right? Mm -hmm. Like the idol is up there. And so what does it look like to dismantle it or reconcile with the fact that the idol is up there when we don't really have the tools and the resources to unlearn why they're an idol in the first place? Oof, right. Or like, when dismantling whatever idolatry we've offered to these, you know, men, I, from my personal experience, will speak about like my like relationship to idolizing certain black male figures. Um, but how am I going to reconcile with something that's never been conciliated before? You know, <laughs> like I don't, God damn. I don't have the tools to, and that's something I will say, like, but, you know, the, the notion of not being able to reconcile with something before you conciliate with it is a term that one of my mentors, Dr. Tanya Pettifer Watts, uh, waits, excuse me, taught me. Uh, but it's something that comes up with a lot because I'm like, I don't even got the tools to look at the thing. Right. So what am I trying to get back to? Right. Right. Because the notion of reconciliation is like getting back to a level playing field where like both both things can be honored to be true or whatever. I'm just like, but they've never existed on a level playing field, right? Black male identifying bodies and Black femme identifying bodies have never existed in a space of equity. They haven't, <laughs> especially Black trans women and their bodies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot of our culture is built around the fact that we can be denigrated and that black trans women can be denigrated and still show up to be on the front lines of any movement. And the idea that like our black male figures that are the faces of it, um, like dismantling their, their proximity to power puts in jeopardy our safety sometimes, our visibility, the rights, the idea or the rights of our people being jeopardized because we're like calling into question the actions um, of a man that is loved, known, and revered. It makes me think of Ice Cube, Lil Wayne, and Kanye for all siding with Trump and just being so, just being so visible in a way that they've never been in politics. And then they had the gall turn around and say, oh no, we were just trying to, I just wanted to hear what the man had to say about Black business and Black communities. And I'm like, Okay, so where were you during Obama's administration or Bush's administration or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a coincidence yeah. that it, you came out for Trump. So you just told on yourself. Yeah. And we're out yeah. here dying for you and for you to do what? Mm-hmm. 
and it yeah it just makes me think of like it it, it feels always like it's going back to square one where it's like well then what do we do yes right like, and then how do you do without getting jaded i mean yeah. spoiler alert <laughs> i'm already there um it, it it's really tough and i mean i also have a lens of being trafficked so there are certain things that like man certain degrees of 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 harm that i'm just like i can't even speak on this because of how triggering it is like i, I don't even know if i can attach myself to a movement to even conciliate you know what i mean because i it's it's just too much like I, I know I'm self-aware enough to know I cannot hold space or I'm not emotionally mature enough to see nuance from this lens because of certain levels of harm that people who've been platformed and revered and get away with so much stuff get and they continue to wield that power. And all I see is the bodies that are left traumatized or dead or if they've taken their own lives the bodies that they've left in their wake that they don't care for yeah and it makes me think of like what does it look like to prioritize those who are directly impacted and harmed in the healing of it right because if we want to divert away from the idea of punitive measures being necessary and like carceral punishment being our go-to um and whatever white people think canceling is if we want to like (laughs) turn a different direction like what is emergent about reimagining the way we look at these circumstances is centering those who have been harmed by the violence is perpetrated by whoever we revere. What I think happens often is like, we're still looking at the top. Like we're still looking at those seminal figures rather than mm-hmm. looking at the people that have been violated. How do we prioritize if there's going to be restoration or growth or learning or forgiveness, right. or anything like that? How can we hold space for that to be possible without first making our number one priority and concern the people who have been violated in the first place? That's that's so true because I think of like I on between. I don't allow myself with a lot of like pop culture or, or like media takeouts, like breakfast club, things like that. But then there's just certain things like, especially if you're black, you just end up learning stuff that's still going on. Like, even yeah, if you don't, just I, be, like, I don't just listen to Drake songs. I don't listen to Drake. I don't listen, I listen to Chris Brown or any of them anymore. But then but we be known what I have time. noticed though, is when an acquisition comes out, the immediate, the next, I mean, the body's not even cold yet. The conversation is on. Well, these were thoughts. These were video hoes. These were, you know, like, what did they expect? Mm -hmm. And it's this very, like, gross, misogynistic kind of take of, and and of a severe take on victim blaming. And so how do you then create a space when there's semantic strategies in place to even when we try to look that way, we try to look across there's already things in place to just um, dismiss. Yeah, because if there's someone in that space that exists to challenge it. Right, then we can counter it there, okay. But no, but that's the thing. Like, 
I don't even know that, like, say you and I were on an episode of The Breakfast Club. And yeah. the topic of conversation was the the hot the the hot sauce in the condom with Drake. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just you know and and uh, what's 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 the man Charlemagne Charlemagne to talk about? Well, you know that girl deserves it. She a hoe for putting the condom in her for first in the first place. Now you know I definitely have questions about putting a used condom in you reverse reversey. Uh, flirty because like why do you want Drake's baby that bad uh, but I also don't believe he was wearing a condom in the first place so <laughs> but say he like say hypothetically speaking there's a conversation where it's like well you know she a hoe she she just an Instagram model trying to get her 15 minutes of fame like like Drake said uh, and one of us were to challenge it by saying well what makes her the hoe how many people well, did she have that sex with that week versus how many people Drake has sex with that week Right. Like how would how would a question like that in a space like that be received? Because at the end we would, of the day, we would get cut off the air. We'd get fucked, you know, for lack of a better word. I'm really we upset would. that I made that frame. But like we would be trashed. Yeah. Instead of questioning the very like, even if it's just questioning the very system that makes us like critique and look at folks this way, we would be the ones in the raw. So I like to all of that to say like it it's i'm not even convinced we can counter it there yeah there's there's nothing emergent about those spaces which i think is often the problem which always puts us back at square one yeah because my next question is going to be how do we create those well it's not and that's why you end up like me jaded as fuck because i've there's been enough accusations and there's been enough posture not posturing there's been enough performative olympics with these seminal figures who harm and violate women and then turn around and say you know we gotta i'm 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 fighting here for any kind of injustice and quote mlk and all this stuff and i've seen it happy enough times to where i'm like yeah okay this cycle just ended 2020 2021 what happened and another um accusation of trey songs kidnapping um holding women against their will urinating defecating on them and violently assaulting them and now we have another wave of black death that folks are not going to allow align themselves with to call for the for justice for amir Locke. so it's just it's like I, i don't I just want to get off this train mm. and I don't know. And, and, and maybe cynicism is a word created by the oppressors for us to continue to gaslight ourselves because mm-hmm. I, I, cause I can't detach cynicism from reality anymore. I don't know what mm-hmm. to do with it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think the analogy that you just pulled out is really interesting to me because I've been having a really hard time with kind of, um, existing in theatrical spaces with that kind of idea in mind because I'm just like Mm -hmm. get off this this train and but while also being like but I do want to engage in the system you know Um, but it's like what if right now we can't get off the train we just have to go to a different car and we need to find the car that has the door so that we can get off at the next stop because I think you know our podcasts are examples of creating new spaces um to like break the cycle or 
um, not engaged conversations that aren't being had. You're right. Yeah, it's 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 definitely small, <laughs> but that's okay. There is. You know, that's okay. Like it's a little localized, and I don't mind it. <laughs> Um, But it changes the way we engage with ourselves, with one another, and with like the people, be it they're a part of our community or they're not. It changes how we can like engage and the idea we can even imagine what this conversation um, could be or what like the the idea of dreaming up what kind of worlds we want to create or what kind of conversations we do have the space to have and the ones that we're not ready to have, the kind of bullshit we're willing to take and the kind of bullshit that we're not willing to take. Yeah, because um, I think of like there are so many abusers who are still in power on Broadway, right? And like people yeah. are uh, feel like the work is done because we got rid of one, you know, or like well, the idea it's... that you know with your circumstance, sure, this dude, I, I don't know, actually, I don't know how they identify. Um, it's a um, yeah, male presenting. Okay, uh, but uh, male presenting person if they have lost their proximity to platform or power great there's still a larger system uh to like look at like the nuances of that actual circumstance requires this like directed focus that isn't on him in order to pursue accountability if that makes sense it does (laughs) like and if these are my brain just went the last brain cell that I was holding on to went because well, I'd be looking at myself I'm like bitch you're looking in the wrong direction <laughs> you know like I'm over here looking at this one person when there are 15 in the room with me wow 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 right? I'm shaking you no know? you're absolutely right and it's like every for everyone there are like 10 people who have been impacted by that and it's like why am I not in conversation with them to figure out what what do y'all need what do those of us that have been harmed need how can we move forward? How can we do right. this on our terms with the idea that like healing and restoration in some way, shape or form is possible and building a new system? Wow. I don't know how I got so hopeful, but- <laughs> you I mean, you got me all hyped now. Like I'm all like, yes, okay, I see this and it's gonna mean, it means this and we just gotta continue moving forward and carving out spaces and those who will find us will find us and they will have a safe space to then unleash all of this when when the time is right and then and we'll unfortunately, just change we'll like disciple it sounds like discipleship sadly it does oh god damn damn, I, damn 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 <laughs> that's like what's what's the mom in good times after oh man that damn 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 um (laughs) it's all connected but and it's like it's not like we're saying we're out here like let's just gather all the children yeah i am i'm not an evangelical no like that's not what i'm saying (laughs) but like creating space for like these new possibilities where someone other than like if we're gonna look at the fuck boys let's also look at who they fucked right and figure well, out God what they can. need, what they want in order to move forward and pursue healing. Right. right. Um, Cause I hear all these dudes like getting the opportunity to spell, damn, my ear itches like a bitch. Um, <laughs> but I hear all of these, um, I hear all of these dudes being able to spout whatever the fuck they want or leading all of these movements, being these well-known activists, getting paid for this, 
being able to go to that, this, that, and the fourth. Um, and we don't like, we, we hear about it and it's like relevant to us for the moment, but the priority still becomes like, but the movement rather than the people. Right. Right. And it's like, we can't, we can't push forth the movement or prioritize our rights or equity or imagining uh, dismantling a system that is built the way it's supposed to, like it's moving the way it's supposed to both politically and socially um, without reconfiguring, I guess, our eyes to look the other direction and not look the other direction, like ignore their, their offense. No, 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 no. <laughs> but pursue no. accountability by prioritizing those who have been harmed. Um, and so I, I think, you know, that's so beautiful and it's so, and it's also pretty concise too, when you look at it, like you, you, you don't need too many words to really frame what it is that we got to start doing. Like, you know, you say discipleship or being our, you know, being each other's keepers and your business, like my favorite comedian, actress, activist, Amanda Seals always says on her page, your business is my business. If I'm here for the liberation of all my people, then it's not that I'm being nosy, but I'm going to insert myself when it, when something is threatening your safety or your mm. dignity in any kind of way. So yeah, your business is my business. Yeah. It's the notion that Fannie Lou Hamer brought forth is nobody's free until we are free. Yeah. Period. Right? We're pursuing communal liberation, um, which like in my, my muted little mind is like, yeah, no, I don't want all of the, the fuck ass niggas to be involved in the communal li- liberation, but like, that's not what communal liberation is. If I'm really going to talk about it, I need to be. Right, 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 right. right, right. Um, but I know I can redefine what being about it means by making sure the folks who have the needs that have to be met most urgently. And it goes back to intersectionality because like, who is at that innermost circle? And exactly. First, right? Great. You've been demoted. Now what? Hey, cat. <laughs> but like, what the fuck are you doing, Sawyer? Like, are you, are you the one in the episode? Oh, audience. I talk to my cats like they're human beings. Like that's, I'm not aggressive like with that. them. I like he he knows he knows I talk to him like that all the time yeah I mean not cursing at him but like you know he's a human hi bubbles yeah we talk we talk like they're human my mom and he'll talk back shadow is a shadow is a human being oh my gosh I love that name shadow hi bubbles you hear him you hear him it sounded like Benjamin Button come here bubba hey sweet boy do you want to say hi Hey, you say hi to Mike. You know he's almost one. He's gonna be one in April. Does he look small? Happy birthday! No, I say everything that's an animal is small because it's smaller than me. (laughs) Hi, sweet boy. Do you say hi to Mike? You gonna say hi to Mike? Look at this belly. Hey, you want a cookie? Look at oh my god! Do you see his nose? Bro, meow for the people. Sawyer, (laughs) Sawyer, speed. Okay, that looks super creepy i respect that i like that i feel like he made eye contact with me was like bitch i ain't got time for you sawyer but like why (laughs) like why are we doing this do do the my favorite murder cat thing shout out r.i.p elvis sawyer but what is going on right now wait sawyer and he's so happy with himself. His tail is wagging. 
he not made a bed in front of this man is like you've been talking to her for way too long give me some episode is over (laughs) now he's oh now he's giving me the look he is purring so loudly he's so satisfied with himself this smug son of a bitch do you understand what you just did I love that though. That's so oh cool. He's purring so loud. I feel like we're like we are truly right on time though, because like <laughs> I was trying to respect your hour and a half. Oh shit! I didn't even realize. And you yeah. know when I when I get with you, like it's it's like I was afraid that I'd be too burnt out and I wouldn't be able to because um, of my ADHD brain. I feel like I I thrive better when I'm in the best of moods. Sure. And so I was afraid that I was going to bring the con the weight or the quality of the episode down. So that's why I was like, okay, an hour and a half. I can't fuck it up too bad. But um, I like but I appreciate you respecting my time limit, even though it was due to issues beyond this. Because I'm always excited to talk with you. Yeah, I'm always hyped to talk with you, and I feel like we had we had a really good time. <laughs> we so. did, and I think it's good that we ended on a hopeful note because it, it's very. I think I showed the different ranges of how quickly it can get dark. (laughs) But like, same, you know what I mean? Right, right. But and facts are facts. Facts are facts. The reality is we're living in a shithole and I'm waiting by day by day (laughs) for it to end. Okay. I I would like to have a Tony award attached to my name for acting before I go, but. At least, at least in, in EOT, Emmy, Oscar, Tony. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I'll take that for sure. For sure. I will I will take that. Um, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get like like uh Miss Zendaya, you know. Hit me with that young Emmy in the next year or two. Ooh, child. But here's the thing. The last night's episode, all but secured. She's gonna get a second one for that episode alone. That's lit. Good for her. Because there's there's acting. And then there's acting. There's acting, acting. She was acting, acting like she yeah. like no G acting with a K, acting with a K and no G because she got so she got so real and then you're watching this performance and then you're you're also like okay my blood pressure is fucked because of the content but also who is this who is person this? yeah. I don't... It, it's 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 truly truly brilliant season one she did a phenomenal job i actually burst into tears when her name was read like i feel like i was at her family in the room when they all i, did. I felt enjoyed. like that too and i had not seen i've never seen an episode of euphoria i i don't know if i can i don't know if i can i mean trust your instincts trust your instincts i i think because i remember i remember auditioning for for rue and it was like a couple months long process and I wasn't really convinced. What the fuck? You auditioned for Rude's gonna bury the lead like that? I don't feel like a lead. I've auditioned for a lot of stuff. <laughs> I no, but I'm I was, just fascinated in, in it's it just I, it wasn't my job though. It was not my job for it, not only for the content, but for like I was not at that caliber of, right, of uh, yeah. acting yet um and now that we're on season two like I've seen the clips that go viral I'm like this might not be for me to watch if there is a if they need word on the street is they need a dark-skinned black girl if I get an audition for a new recurring character on uh euphoria I will binge Mm -hmm. watch every single fucking episode um 
anything Sam Levinson has ever created, I will consume and I will be that bitch ready to be their resident dark skin on the show. I will. Because <laughs> they have it. a girl right now and I'm like, they're just doing her dirty. It's like you either do them well or don't have them in this space at all. Because all you do is putting these people in hostile work environments. There's a dark skinned black girl on that show right now. Yeah, she's she's an assistant to one of the white characters. Like, uh, how do we not know about her? How do I not know her name? Hello? It, exactly. See, now he's going to go terrorize his sister. But fam. How are you in this in the frame, Sawyer? How does this work? This is Sawyer's show now. Sawyer, I'm talking to you. And I know you're gonna go chase after Amelia, but I'm gonna need you to get a head start. He did look like he wait, I don't is who is Sawyer? Sawyer. And he puts his ass right back down. Got it. When nice. I tell you this man don't give a fuck. He don't. But when care. he wakes up from a nap, he's like Benjamin Button. But when he became the old wrinkly baby, like he always feels like he just got hatched. Like he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> he sleepwalks for like the first three minutes of waking up from any nap, and he just looks so deranged. It's the funniest thing, Sawyer. I mean, <laughs> now he's looking at me like, "What, bitch?" You said what? Move, ma. <laughs> I respect it though. Um, but seriously, Sophie, thank you. Oh my God, Sawyer, do you want to be friends? Is that what it is? Are you trying to kiss me? Oh, I'm telling <laughs> He does gravitate to sound and he'll like, if I put on cat TV or if I put like a, on a show, like he'll be the one to sit down and actually watch it where Amelia never cared about any kind of visual arts or someone, if I'm talking to someone on the phone, she doesn't meow at me like he does. Why put your crusty eye in the frame? I can't with this. I can't with this cat. I can't. Your man's is so nosy. I appreciate you, my. I hope your followers can uh, go on the ride of all my tangents and you know and my my um, stream of consciousness because a lot of the stuff that I shared tonight it has only been ruminating in my mind. Like I haven't even journaled about it yet. So. Sure. I appreciate you and your audience for carving out space for me. Um, I mean, I just love gabbing with you anytime we can. Hey. So Honestly, I love you, sis. I love you so much, dog. Um, I'm really grateful that you hopped on here with me. And the theme of this season is Gone Rogue. So <laughs> honestly, we're right on theme. <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, I just really love being in community with you and talking with you always. Um, I can't wait to figure out what I'm going to name this episode. So if you have any idea, I was thinking I was like live journal, you know, like a throwback or like <laughs> Black Chalette's Gone Rogue ADHD edition. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I second the latter, like, because I really feel like that's what it is. And then the subtitle is um I the most brilliant line you said I'm gonna botch it but um don't just look at um the fuck boys look at who they fucked oh. and had a whole space for yeah. yeah that was that's ultimately what's probably going to change my life and my scholarship moving forward because I've been spending way too much time looking at these fuck boys and I, and I got to that's tea and that's fair like there's room for that and that like shit I still do it and it, I think this is an active space for us to like unlearn out loud. So. Oh, 
Ooh, I'm not, okay, bitch, you need to stop with these quotables, okay? You got too many quotables and I'm sick of it. <laughs> um, but to our listeners, like, thank you so much for hopping on this. Uh, I, I hope you guys stayed the whole episode because if you're still here, you fam. And if you're not still here, you can't hear this, but you ain't shit. Why you turn <laughs> us off so early? <laughs> oh um, my God. If there's a video version of this, I apologize for y'all seeing everything but Sawyer's anus. It's just so... You need to, you need to go, my guy. Thank you. Oh, I've never done a video version of of the pod, but I'm I was thinking about doing it simply for Sawyer's appearance. <laughs> so, Sawyer, he's hijacked. This is like I think the third. He hijacks my virtual meetings all the time, but this is my third podcast. I think he's hijacked. Descartes Pod, you and I think one episode of of unpaid emotional labor. So I liked it. I respect Sawyer. Um, that might be the title. It's like <laughs> I respect God. That's Rose, why him and Amelia are called clout chasing kittens because they're That's just fair. clout chasers. I do, stay... I do follow that page. I do. Oh, <laughs> um, but, but I appreciate yeah. you. Same. Uh, let the people know where they can follow you and where they can pay you for your emotional labor. Oh, um, so I'm only on Instagram. I don't have the mm-hmm. emotional bandwidth for Twitter. And I don't have the, okay. the joints for TikTok. Um, so on Instagram, my personal page is Sophie underscore E underscore James. And my podcast um, page, my podcast is called Unpaid Emotional Labor. We dissect all that is taken for granted while negotiating our identities and the sociopolitical with humor, pop culture, tangents, everything you saw, you heard tonight, y'all. It's on my podcast. But we, you know, we talk about things much like tonight's episode that re- that um, really get centered. So that page is unpaid emotional labor all the way through. Um, Venmo, SEJames613. If you're in Canada, PayPal, the same. I appreciate y'all. And I hope that y'all are respecting and paying my for her labor. Okay. <laughs> uh. And these oh, basically shit. graduate seminars that y'all getting tuition free. Like, <laughs> what is the cost of an oat milk latte, uh, oat milk lavender latte? Y'all like stop playing around and pay these black content creators. Especially in black history month. Huh. Uh. So it's double. So then you got to pay tax, which is reparations. So now you got to, you know. You know. <laughs> it's called the inconvenience fee. <laughs> I didn't act to be born black in America, but here I am forced to engage with and 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 please adjust for inflation. Y'all better not be out here. Because what Victoria and I do not do is get paid enough to live off of this podcast. Okay. Okay. I I learn every first of the month. Truly. And like well, because the expectation for the content and our listeners know we're always super transparent is like, we cannot put out like content on content on content, knowing that this is not a space that pays us for the labor that we do or put in to create the content, right? It's right. why we had to go on that hiatus because we were like, this is not paying any of our bills. We love our people. We love our, like our homies, our family, the community that, community that we built over at the, the Black Chillerettes Cookout. Um, but we can't burn ourselves out. 
Yo, same. I lost uh, 30 followers. Mm. So normally what will happen is for the last five months I've been on Patreon is I'll lose 15 and then I'll gain 12. So I've pretty much like balanced every month, right? Then January came around, all these health problems. And I based my body just said, stop. Uh, And I only put out two episodes and I lost um, about 25 to 30. Hmm. And I was like, what in the hell? Yeah. I mean, if we look at our metrics and analytics for uh, like engagement on Instagram, our follower numbers is in the negative. Like we still have over, you know, over 50,000 followers, but most of them don't know that they follow us anymore, you know? And the people like, but we lose followers at such a rapid pace. Like in the last, since we announced that we weren't covering The Bachelor, we lost thousands of followers on Instagram. And it's like, that's fine. Instagram's not paying us. It's okay. 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 Y'all weren't liking the posts in the first place. So. And, 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 you know, and that's why I had to do the paywall. It was like a no, no brainer. I didn't have the following of the the chatty broads kind of capital like that's yeah. you know i can't un, until i get ad sponsored stuff yeah or like y'all gotta pay for agency it or something like that and i think that was something victoria and i were scared of it's like we want to be able to do this show and folks not be like blocked by capitalism to engage exactly but we also knew that we didn't have we don't have the capacity to do this for free um and essentially we basically still are you know like um, because of the way it evens out with like the followers that that you lose um, so but all of that to say y'all hopefully the <laughs> the white listeners uh, have been encouraged to generosity this year black history month pay black creators follow black creators follow Sophie engage with unpaid emotional labor subscribe on patreon you know I'm gonna put them links down there um, and you know where to find us. I'm at Carpeing Diem on Instagram. That is my public page. I repeat, stop requesting at my Kayla Bartholomew. That's for my mama and daddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's for my mama, daddy, and Sophie. Okay. Ah, I didn't uh, want to say it, but I'm a flex <laughs> on y'all. I follow at my Kayla Bartholomew. Oh, but follow that me on at Carpeing Diem. Cause like, I'm still, I'm still over there. Like it's still an active Instagram. It's just, uh, the public one <laughs> right um and uh, at the black chillerettes on instagram you guys know it's spelled weird so if you are following us and you're listening to this point of the episode i should not have to spell it out for you <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all so much excited to see if we nominate it for an oscar tomorrow morning um and- i've been watching the oscars for 20 years you guys will be fingers crossed okay like all right. And like, Will Smith will finally get his pity Oscar. He'll get his, yeah, because they owe him one. And mm-hmm. you know, like Mr. Will texted me earlier, think he got we got he got his fingers crossed for all of us. Okay. That's Aww. what he said. Uh, but more than anything, I hope that the world gets to recognize, laud, and praise Anjanu Ellis the way she deserves. Um, yeah. I was talking to her earlier and she was like, look. Um, it's just another day and I'm like look I love the human being that you are but I really would love for this institution that forces us to rely on these systems of uh of social capital and these awards institutions right by older white people like if we have to for like continue to allow our careers to be colored and valued by that 
I would love for them to recognize you. I, I do think you you deserve to be seen and honored. And the same for Sanaya, the same for our executive producing team, our writers, our director, um, and the Williams family. So we're gonna see. Fingers is crossed. I'll be up at 5 a.m. just to see what's going on. Okay. <laughs> I'll, prob- yeah. I'll be up at six. So hopefully you're re- you're highlighting it in your Instagram stories so I can yeah. um, view it while I get ready for the day. For sure. But thank you so much. For oh, being thank here. you. I know we're gonna talk soon. You know, it don't even have to be on a podcast. If we just we're gonna talk soon. soon, and I can't wait to see you and hug you when I come to LA for my birthday. Like it's yeah. it's a fucking wrap. They're not ready for for you and I and Jess hey, up in these nine hundred two one zero studios. Oh my gosh, truly, because it's gonna be fun. I was just 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 she was like do you need help unpacking I was like I ain't even had everything shipped but shoot <laughs> I would like to see you <laughs> um but yeah so we'll talk soon and I'm gonna keep trying to end this episode y'all <laughs> bye I call it the Haitian goodbye Haitians we are we are known for saying yes. bye at a party 10 times and then an hour mm-hmm. later we're still there because first but, you um, have to announce that you're leaving and then yes. you have to say the set you have to go through the 17 phases of the goodbye. <laughs> and then you have to sit, you have to like have one leg in the car and then the rest of your body out still in conversation. Um, wow, the universality of blackness is crazy. It really is. And I and I have to say the testament of the friendship because the day that I can't wait to press the leave meeting button, I, I, I was like, oh, this friendship's in danger. So <laughs> So if anything, we're in a very healthy place. We're in a people. very comfy place and we don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, shout out boys to Man Until Hearts, say goodbye, Cooley High soundtrack. Um mm-hmm. and honestly, that's where we can end it. Okay, go go stream boys to men right now. <laughs> okay, and even though we're sending you to go put money in their pocket, please put money in ours. All right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. I love you. <laughs>